0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com
1: for more great podcasts.
2: Swing and a blind drive, left field, Ben Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did it. He got it! There we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High and
1: He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thank you won the World
2: Championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast.
0: Can you believe
2: it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman.
0: Good evening everyone and welcome to Another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For those of you staying up late on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and literally everywhere. We have just joined uh, the Big Head's podcast network as well so you can find us uh, within their network Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Chicago White Sox taking two out of three I'm Terry Cushman and I'm joined as always by Jeremy Schilling and Liz Churchville how are you guys
1: Embarrassed, frustrated, annoyed—all kinds of emotions on my side.
2: Well, luckily, this isn't a double race podcast, Uh,
1: Terry. (laughs) um, I
2: uh, am—you know—I'm—I'm feeling above average. Above average—that's good. I—I'm a little frustrated.
0: This is about the most disappointed. I have probably been all year winning two out of three like you should be happy with that every time but Yankees are on an absolute tear we lost a game to them so we're now nine back in the division race not sure where we are in the wild card but uh, you know I'm sure we're right in the hunt Um, but it's it's just a little frustrating we will have a chance to uh, get a couple of those back this weekend with that goofy London series with the 380-foot straightaway center wall, um, which I don't know if that meets uh, high school, uh, you know, standards as far as uh, you know dimensions or whatnot. But uh, yeah. So anyway, I guess we'll just get right into heroes and zeros. For this Chicago White Sox series. Uh, Jeremy. Uh, go ahead and lead off with your hero.
2: Yeah. Just um, low hanging fruit. But Xander's been great. And um, he had a big home run. In this series. To kind of get things going. Um, so. I I really haven't. We've talked a lot about Xander. And um, I'm not going to. Go too long here, but he is one of the rarities in professional sports where he signs a big contract, and like there's to the there, not only is there not a drop off, but he's actually been better. Um, I feel like he still hasn't reached his ceiling, like he continues to improve. But he, imagine this team without Xander Bogarts. I mean, that should you know scare a lot of people. Uh, he's just hugely important. He's got to stay healthy. He has he's raked He's been super consistent um, Even when the people that are around him in the lineup are not uh, so I can't give enough um, credit to Xander uh, he plays every day, you know, uh, so My hero is Xander Bogarts
0: that home run was like in the midst of like a monsoon too, and normally You know, you're just kind of scraping along, you know, just trying to muster whatever you can when it's downpouring like that. And just absolutely crushed it off of one of those, uh, you know, monster signs, you know. And if it hadn't hit that, it would have, you know, ended up on Lansdowne Street. So (laughs) kind of a cool home run to watch. He also had that um, that ball that was ripped up the middle today in the eighth inning drove in two runs gave us the lead and uh was looking like you know he was going to be the savior again but that kind of went by the wayside you know in the bottom half of uh that inning so um
2: yeah he was five for 12 in the series um he hit fifth in the lineup then third and then third again today so you know, where the modern professional athlete wants to be put in the same exact spot every single situation. He's not. He's been moved around the lineup and it just hasn't affected him. Um, You know, after tonight's two for five, like you mentioned, uh, two RBI outing, you know, he's hitting 298 with a 923 OPS. I mean, he is a top five shortstop in Major League Baseball. I don't think there's any question about that.
0: Uh, Not at all. Uh Liz, any thoughts on uh Xander?
1: Uh Xander was my runner up. It was really difficult for me to go between who I did pick for my hero and Xander. Uh everything Jeremy says is right. I almost think he's really turning into uh the real leader in the clubhouse. He's just he's confident on the field. He's just he's just great. I mean you really can't say anything bad about him. I really like him too. I hope he makes the all-star game. I think he deserves it.
2: Everything Jeremy said is right. Terry <laughs> Terry. Objection. Print the t shirts. Print the t shirts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know we're gonna have one disagreement uh, later. I feel it I feel it brewing, so I figured I would say that now.
0: <laughs> when when Xander signed here though, one of the things he did say was he can't wait to work with, you know, guys like Chavis. Devers and all them and, and be a part of their development So that definitely Falls into the uh, Leadership uh, Traits he, that you were talking about
2: And here's my last part and I am Trying not to say more than Because we've talked about this so much right. He'll be our hero I, I wanna, on the next show I, 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 really, we have a, I think we have a really consistent Listenership um, And so I don't want to like have people roll Their eyes and say Jeremy you've said that before But just briefly It's it, he took less to be a Boston Red Sox. He left money on the table. He went against his, his agent's instruction. Um, he uh, took the stress out of it for not only himself, but the the, the franchise and the fan base that clearly wanted him here. And that will never be lost on me. I'm appreciative of the fact that he wanted to be here, that he took the steps to be here. Uh, And I, you know, I've also said this credit to the Red Sox for making the contract fair, but Bogarts said, look, just do this. This is not, you know, I'm worth more than that. And I'll be here. And they did. And he stayed. And we all know it was against his uh, agents, Scott Boris. Who should be well known to most baseball fans and, and he 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 bucked the trend and, and 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 didn't squeeze whatever team was gonna sign him for the most amount of money. I, I'm a huge Bogarts guy, I will be for a very long time. He's probably
0: my favorite player. That's gonna be the next uh, jersey I get. Um, but the 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 interesting thing though, and, and I've never really presented it this way, you know, with Pedroya, you knew he wanted to be a Red Sox player for life, whether we liked him or not. You know whether there was any controversies, and there really wasn't anything. You know surrounding him back. You know in early 2014 when he made that deal, but Pedroia was a guy that you knew wanted to be here for life, and he made sure he was here for life. Was Xander? He wasn't getting that rhetoric all along, and I thought he would. Where he was a Boris guy, he was going to test the market, probably go somewhere else, and then you know, throughout the winter, I just thought he was going to be the odd man out based on the large contracts we have. So, you know, we weren't getting, you know, that type of rhetoric from Bogarts all along. And then very abruptly, you know, news broke right before opening day that he had signed his deal. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, it's for, it was for like six years or whatever. And, you like you said, buck the trend because he is a Boris guy. And I think where the opt-out was put in and the Red Sox didn't put up any resistance for that, I think that's ultimately what made Scott Boris happy, or content, I should say, that, okay, we'll take less money, but at least we have the opt-out, and he's still going to be relatively young when he hits that. So, you know, nonetheless, I, I just... He's my favorite player on the Red Sox.
2: Well, the big the biggest difference is that Pedroia was always in the media, True. and because he was, you know, a little guy, and and he based I think on his stature related a lot to the fan base. Um, for those two reasons, uh, and well, also the fact that I mean he won a Rookie of the Year and an MVP, so Pedroia cast a much larger shadow on the fan base. Where Xander really only talks when talked to, and as good as he's been, he's won no real awards. I think he's been an All Star one time. Um, so it's just a, a different situation, and you know, again, you know, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but but Xander doesn't relate on just a, on a on a surface level with an everyday fan where Pedroia did. But to me. Uh, Xander is inherently more likable. Um, uh, because I respect the fact that he just puts his nose down, does his job, does it so well, does it with a smile on his face. He's never got crossways with the manager. He's never got crossways with an opposing player. I mean, he's just an overwhelmingly positive, uh, player. And, um, frankly, I'm a little bit surprised that I was thinking about this with the way the all-star voting has been going I'm a little bit surprised that major league baseball doesn't advertise or market through Xander Bogarts more just because he is clean cut. He speaks multiple language. He, he can, he hit, he hits a bunch of different demographics. Um, so, you know, and then also, I know we wanted to keep the heroes and zeros of the uh, segment a little tighter today. And I just realized that yeah. this thing is off the rails already. Yeah, it certainly but is. I think, that, I think, you know what, Liz, I'm going to go with this. Credit to me, because my hero was that much of a talking point. So there you go. Well,
1: and I, and I was just going to say, you know, you saying all those things about him it makes me think of, that's what Mike Trout is. You know, he, he could have easily, you know, maybe it took Xander a little longer to get there. And, you know, he's he's been in a much bigger pond, you know, uh, team-wise than Trout has. So Trout's had more opportunity to shine in his market and stand out against, you know, the players that he plays with. But I think now is the time for Xander to do that. Like, the older guys are filtering out, and, you know, now he's playing at this epic level. And sure, he's quiet and demure and whatever. He's not drawn tons of attention to himself in the ways, like you said, Pedroia did. But uh, now he gets a chance to do that on the field, so I think that's pretty awesome.
2: Which I respect. I, I Look, we all need people to talk to the media, um, and he it's not like he doesn't, mm-hmm. it's just he only does it when they talk to him, but I like the fact that he just plays, plays every day, makes no excuses. We know he's, yep. we know, there's seasons, uh, there's been multiple seasons where the season's ended, and. All of a sudden, you find out that he's got—he's been playing with a uh, sprained ligament in his wrist, or this problem or that problem. I mean, I don't want to liken him to a hockey player because that's a stretch, but like it's been like where he just keeps his mouth shut and he—and no one knows anything. And then the season ends and he's all beat up. Um, so, like I said, I could go down a rabbit—a deep rabbit hole with Xander because I just couldn't say enough nice things about the guy. I Love—I love the player. Um, you know, productive. Uh, you know, for all the reasons I've stated.
0: Well said, Jeremy. Um, Liz, go ahead with your hero. Uh,
1: my hero, like I said, Dander was my was my runner up. He's awesome, but I had to pick Devers. Um, I had to pick Devers this week. I mean, the the first game he he only got one hit, but I mean, second game he went four for four, and then I think he went uh, three for four. Uh, this game, he didn't. He only had one RBI, which was really surprising to me. But he was doing everything he could do to put himself in a position, you know, for those power hitters behind him or supposed power hitters behind him, you know, to get him in. And uh, and he was just amazing. I, I really like seeing him develop. I know um, just from starting to watch him last year and seeing him just become more athletic and become more of the player that he can be this year has just been. Has been great, and I think you know he's he's uh, younger than than Bogarts, but I really think he's going to develop into somebody who's going to be around for a long time, and uh, we're going to see him turn into a legacy Red Sox too. So, had to pick Devers. Um, yeah, that's about it.
2: I mean, the guy was eight of thirteen, and it's not he's not a mystery. Like opposing pitchers know what he is now, and he still rakes. He's hitting three twenty two. His OPS is 897, so he's about uh, 26 points lower than Bogart's. But, I mean, he's been unbelievable. Terrence Cushman at Cushman MLB about a month ago, six weeks ago, tweeted or said on this podcast, I can't remember specifically, is Devers likening himself to David Ortiz. Now, I publicly ridiculed Cushman (laughs) for this. I privately ethered him um, and I'm gonna tell you right now I still think that it's a stretch but holy fuck in a month has he closed the gap <laughs> I mean it's like he's a legitimate superstar I mean he is he's a legitimate superstar I mean who, I mean this isn't some aberration I mean this is they just played their 83rd game and he's hitting 322 with 8 897 OPS they, they are trying to get him out they are if they think they can get him in, uh, out, up and away, he pulls it. If they think they can get him away, you know, get him out soft and away, he he hits it the other. Yeah, hits it the other way. He had a gift double in this game where uh, was it Eloy uh, Ramirez? Uh, uh, I know I missed that name. Terry's going to get me in a second. Hey, but has- um, he yeah, exactly. So he missed the ball and it was like a gift double RBI. Don't care. He has a hundred hits, twelve bombs, and remember. Uh, five weeks into the season, he didn't have a home run. So all the, the 12 home runs are all basically uh, in the last, you know, 50 games. He's, he's got 49 RBIs, eight stolen bases. His on-base percentage is 373, which is better than Ben Um I mean, this guy is turned into an absolute superstar. And his defense has been so improved that I'm going to declare him a top five third baseman in all of baseball.
0: That's Great choice. Realistic. Absolutely. And this series, he scored six runs as well. So he was, you know, despite not having the RBIs, he was definitely making his presence felt around the base pass. I think I, I had to listen to half the game on the radio today, you know, because it was a day game. But. Uh, I think he went first to home on one hit, and so that's encouraging because, you know, he had the, the hamstring uh, kind of barking at him a little bit. And uh, interestingly, uh, after the game, Alex Cora said that he's probably leaning towards keeping Devers in the two-hole, and uh, so that'll probably drop Ben Benintendi to fifth or sixth or so, which is fine with me. And, uh, he, he's just, you know, becoming a force and Jeremy, you referenced my big poppy, you know, reference towards him or comparison, I should say. And, you know, I mean, it's easy to kind of, you know, kind of, you know, think about because, you know, he's a lefty like poppy, he's stocky like poppy, he's pretty clutch. But, you know, the more I've thought about it since then, you know, Ortiz was great in his own ways. Manny Ramirez was great in his own ways. Mookie Betts is great in his own way. So he's probably going to make his own mark, whether he quite reaches their level, who knows. But, I mean, he's going to, you know, probably be one of the better players, you know, of the decade in which he played here, you know, at the very least. And um, it's it's been fun to watch because last year you're, you're looking at him striking out on high fastballs all the time, defensive blunders, you know, almost nightly it seemed like. And everything's been curbed, you know. And, and like you said, top five third baseman. I mean, you probably got to put Arenado ahead of him. Bregman's still ahead of him, you know. And I who else? Who else do you put? Above him, I we could probably come up with at least one more, but...
2: Terrence, want to hear the best part? Sure. He's 22 e- exactly. years old. He's younger than Michael Chavis. <sighs> if that
0: helps, put it into perspective.
2: By the way, another guy does it with a smile on his face. Um, doesn't shy away from the interviews, even though English isn't his first language. Uh, inherently likable. Um uh, you can't every time someone asks a, a Red Sox player or coach about this player, they all talk glowingly like they like, oh, thank. Oh, you wanted to ask about Rafi Devers? Sure. Let me tell you how awesome he is. Like that. that's the response every single time. The guy the guy is a kid. He's an absolute kid. I know. Um, and he's he's turned into a legitimate borderline or if maybe maybe even not borderline but he's a legitimate superstar i mean he he might fuck around and win a silver slugger in in a in a in a, in a league that has alex bregman in it i mean this is awesome i mean and I, it's it's amazing how he has stepped up when you know betts is going to be gone ortiz is retired is done zito so here's the next guy here, I mean, this is the next cornerstone, and he's developing right in front of our eyes at the Major League level, and he's only 22 years old.
0: Let, let me ask this real quick. When was the last third baseman with his impact? you got to go a long way. You might have to go back to Boggs because, I mean, Mike Lowell was very good while he was here. He was a World Series MVP, but he wasn't really here that long, and he was in his mid-30s You know, by the time he did get here. But um, Euclid, I think of him more as a first baseman than anything. You know, he went moved over to third once the Adrian Gonzalez deal went down. But even Euclid wasn't here for an extremely long time. And I, you really did. I hated
2: Euclid. Oh,
0: I did, too. I what a crybaby. Yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, I'm glad he's doing well and he's got his microbrewery. But he was just so annoying, when, he, especially when he struck out. I just couldn't. I couldn't take that guy. I wasn't on Twitter then. I thought so. he was.
2: I thought he was. He might be one of the top ten most overrated players in Major League Baseball in the last twenty years. Really? Yeah. I just. I don't. I. Don't, I never understood the fascination with other anything other than his on base percentage. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Wade Boggs. Obviously, he's you know multiple. Now he's in the Hall of Fame, but <clears throat> multiple. You know. You know, batting title caliber offensive player. You know, really, really good. Um, Wade Boggs was a terrible human being I understand he's done some things To to change his image and treat people Better and um, you know he's Got some of the substance abuse issues under Control so good for him Um, One of the things that I always mention This is I I, like there are certain Players that I've, I've said this on The podcast I've literally said tongue In cheek like I'd rather this person Be you know a bad person And just get people out or be a bad person And get hits and I do mean that but it, I do like when someone is that good and likable and you want to root and see their root for them and see their success. It's one of the reasons why I mention it when it's appropriate. you know I mentioned it with Xander. I mentioned it with Rafi, and I've done that consistently on the podcast for, for both players including guys like JD. Um, it, it makes it so much easier to love a player when he's also, from everything you're seeing, a good person and a good, you know, a good teammate. And, you know, again, um, we're only on our second hero and we're deep into the segment (laughs) here, but uh, I mean, I I can't, I can't say enough good things about the player. And if you are an everyday like uh, Terry uh, and uh, Liz, imagine someone listening to this podcast for the first time going, all they do is gush about the Red Sox.
0: (laughs) That's not what we do. No, that's
2: not what we do on this podcast, but, you know these two players are worthy of that sort of treatment and so you know i'm a Devers guy and and if if he lapses back defensively and if he comes a little bit down uh, offensively he's still i mean he that's how high up and and how much he's elevated his game if he comes back down like 10 20 percent in productivity he's still a really good player so i mean he's becoming a, a superstar in front of our eyes it's been awesome to watch so, two
1: two more things, well, then I'll uh, let Terry get to his hero, and um, and we can move on and and try to keep this short, like we've been saying. Um, it's funny or nice, I guess, in a way that uh, Terry mentioned what Cora said about keeping Devers in the in the two hole uh, in the lineup because in the I know in the last podcast, I think it was Terry or maybe all of you agreed. Probably the game you worried about the most was that first game with Giolito or whatever that that pitcher's name was, he had been pretty solid, I guess, until his last start, Uh, he got rocked or whatever, and um, in in that game, Devers played the four hole, and sure, maybe the pitcher was a little bit better, but, I mean, that was the game he only got one hit, move him up to the two hole, and, you know, obviously different pitchers, but he did significantly better, you know, in that spot, and I almost feel like, you know, this season is the season, that, you know, he's really rising to the occasion. Like, the, the the moment isn't too big. Like, he's getting the confidence, he's getting, you know, everything is just coming together for him, and it's awesome to see. Um, but uh, the other thing I was just going to add is more of a comment. Maybe uh, since a lot of people start listening to the podcast, I mean, obviously most people start listening to it in the beginning, if they think all we do is just... Praise the Red Sox. Maybe we should start with the zeros and just start (laughs) hating first, and then go praise. Like have praise in the middle of squished in the middle of hate. How about
2: that? Don't hate the idea. Let me let me highlight quickly that your point about his spot in the lineup. When you're hitting second, your obligation to your lineup is to get on base. So your your approach as a hitter is you're still looking for pitches. You know, middle middle. but your approach is up the middle and base hits. Um, you know, he now has a hundred hits on the season already. So he's on pace for, uh, 200 hits, which is a significant milestone. Um, he's also scored 60 runs. So he's on pace for 120 runs. That's an elite production at that spot. When you put a guy fourth, it changes that what the lineup's looking from the player. And it's not for everybody. Um, and that's why you see wild swings in production when you move a guy from one spot to another. A two hitters to get on base, uh, the days of bunting, you know, and all that as a two hit—that's not—that's not what major league baseball is anymore. Certainly not in this lineup. So he, I think, he simplifies his approach. And does he still hit the ball out of the ballpark? Yeah. Does he still slug and hit doubles? Yeah. But he—that's he, not his mindset. I would think is base hits and get on base ahead of the guys that are intended to slug. When you flip the role and put him in that slugger spot, that's now where you're, intent- you're not looking to get on base and score runs, go first to third and score on a base hit. You're looking to be the guy to put the ball in play to produce the runs. It's a wildly different mindset. Um, and I think he's capable of anything. I mean, you could hit him one through nine, and I think this guy loves baseball and is going to produce. But I think it just goes to show you that when you put a guy like this in the 2 hold, he simplifies his approach, and the production gets better. You know, his slugging may even increase, but just because that's what's being asked of him, he he I think can free his mind up a little bit to be more productive. And being that he is twenty two, I, I think it's a good idea.
0: Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh my hero, I go last, so I typically have the more boring of the three. Um I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with Josh Taylor on this one. He's uh been uh you know pitching out of the bullpen lefty made his uh Fenway or well Red Sox debut on March excuse me I'm just tripping over myself now he made his Red Sox debut on May 29th got off to a bit of a rough start but has pitched well lately um pitched let's see an inning today struck out two and uh Oh, no, that was, well, he pitched actually two-thirds of an inning today. Came in to clean Barnes' mess up. Yeah, struck out two. And then uh, one other game in the series and uh, also struck out two. And here's a cool stat for him. He's made, let's see, nine appearances so far. And in his last five in a row, he has struck out at least two batters. Uh, Per appearance, he had a two-inning appearance against the Minnesota Twins and uh, struck out four in those two innings. His K-9 through rate right now is 13.5, which is astronomical. That's north of what Craig Kimbrell was doing a couple years ago. So apparently an elite strikeout guy so far with a small sample size. And the Red Sox acquired him over the winter in the, uh, or actually last year in the Devin uh, Marrero deal with the Diamondbacks. So I don't want to drink the punch here because I thought Marcus Walden could be a potential eighth inning guy, and we've seen him slipping. Another guy in the bullpen is just completely losing his mind right now. We'll get to him uh, in a a second, but... um, it's nice to see what we're getting out of uh, Taylor. Have I said Smith a couple of times? I get them mixed up. They're both uh, <laughs> they're both Josh's, but uh, but Taylor nonetheless has uh, been impressive and uh, was in this series. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, Cora utilizes him. You know, in the coming days and weeks. I
2: love his stuff. (laughs) You love his stuff. I love his stuff. I love his fastball. Um, Weird situation with the way he entered the game um, in game one. But I love his stuff. He pitches to both sides of the plate. Um, His location when he's sharp is really good, and it accentuates the fact that he's got a plus fastball. So, like the player – he said some things to the media that leads me to believe that he is the potential to be fearless. Um, I'm not ready to like say that he is. I want to. I want to see some more. But yeah, I mean, this guy, a plus arm, and we're desperate for it. So if this guy emerges, he could be one of the helps to the bullpen that we obviously so desperately need. So you know, I'm in on this guy.
1: I I don't I don't have confidence in in anybody uh, right now. Really, it's so hard. That's why I hardly ever pick pitchers uh, for my hero or zero, actually, just because it seems like they're just so inconsistent. Like, I, I definitely look forward to watching any of them more. Like, I thought Walden, I know we talked about one night, I was like, do you think Walden will be the guy that comes in during these high-pressure situations? Uh, no, he's pretty proved after the one time he did it that that's probably not his role. Uh, but who knows whose role that is? I, I don't know, or if that even is a role, I have no idea, but... but um, I don't know. I, I I just feel like I can't throw support behind any 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 bullpen pitcher in particular right now. You guys are much better at it, so uh I'll leave you to it.
0: <laughs> well uh actually well you know what? Let's uh let's just get into zeros because we're gonna get a little bit of a continuation here and we can still uh make observations. So Jeremy, go ahead. <sighs>
2: <laughs> Barnes
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm just so fucking frustrated With this goofy motherfucker Um
1: Speaking of the bullpen
2: I just They put And and every time I pick Barnes I'm simultaneously pick, picking Dombrowski Okay so we're all very clear about that They put so many eggs In this, this guy's basket And the handle broke And the basket fell so, I mean he I mean he just I think he's he's had a negative effect in the wins and loss. Like he's lost us 3 to 5 games like just by himself. And it's just infuriating. It's infuriating a game where we should have lost and then we should have won because they scrapped to get the lead. Um and, you know, it's it's easy for them to say, well, we're about to travel to London and our minds elsewhere. They didn't do that. They fought like hell. They came back and they put it in his hands and he sucks. I'm getting so fucking frustrated with this guy. And I ethered him last podcast, so I don't want to just keep saying the same things, but the same things are applicable. So if you didn't listen to last podcast, go listen to my sewering of this fucking guy and the fact that a lot of it's not his fault based on his usage and dombrowski's handling of the bullpen
0: i uh saw some stats uh you know while i was jotting down some notes he's actually blown six saves and five of those is that all that's it for him yeah and but of the six Five of those came when he pitched back to back days. So the trend for him is he's fine as long as you don't pitch him the next day, you know, give him some space and we in the last show I, I remember talking about there he had a one, two, three inning the night before, you know, the appearance that that you covered where he wasn't that good, so so, there is a big overuse issue with him going on right now. Alex Speer kind of uh touched on that when he was in the Nesson booth he most games he's in there for half of the uh third inning, and he kinda you know surmised that that's what you know could be going on with him and and like you said, Jeremy you know a lot of it's on Dombrowski as well because Barnes had never really shown that. He could be that guy for a full season. And one other stat I saw, he has a 5.44 ERA in the second half over his career. So not a guy who's good down the stretch. I know last August he had a nine something ERA. I referenced that over the winter when it seemed like I was, you know, expressing concerns about the bullpen almost every show. Um, So, you know, they have to do something and they have to be real with who Matt Barnes really is. And eventually it's going to be on Cora too, you know, because Cora just can't keep going to him in certain situations. And, you know, this was the part of the game that I was listening on the radio and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, if if he looks like he doesn't have it, we got two days off. You know, two off days as far as baseball goes. So why are we being so conservative with the bullpen? Get Walden, you know, working, you know, get him warming up. Uh, I don't know if, if Taylor was available or not. And, and Workman was uh, had already pitched two games in a row, so he wasn't available. But get somebody else warming if he, if he looks like he doesn't have it, you know, because we're at that point where we don't have many answers right now you know, for those late innings. So i just rather see the manager be proactive. And, Jeremy, you kind of touched on, you know, the the Colton Brewer thing, you know, when you said Taylor came into the game under weird circumstances. Cora took Brewer out with a, you know, three-ball, two-strike count, and that's something you rarely see. It's not unheard of, but, you know, it's just not that common. And Cora took him out. Once the first base runner, uh, you know, stole second and brought in Taylor (laughs) to throw potentially just one pitch, and that's all it was. He threw a a ball that was a little too far inside, and the runner walked. So, you know, Cora was kind of thinking outside the box there, but, you know, I think he really blew it today by... Kind of hanging Barnes out there. And Barnes didn't record an out today on his own. The one out that happened was when Vasquez gunned down. um, I forget which base runner it was now. Might have been Sanchez. But runner was trying to take second. You know, Vasquez picked him off. And that was the only out that was recorded while Barnes was in the game. So, frustrating. Frustrating.
2: Yep, 100%. And I actually think that if they can give him a minimal workload over the next 10 days and give him some rest with the two off days, maybe even not throw him in London if that's possible, use him one to max three times in the the two series preceding the All-Star break and then give him a break through the All-Star break and let him get healthy. Or not even healthy, but just give him some rest going into the second half of the season. I'm all for it. I just don't know what your options are because you got to win games. So, But I but I think a, a lightened workload in the next, let's say, 10 to 15 days, I think would potentially have a positive impact on the last 65 games. So we'll see how they handle it. Uh, it's an issue. Um, he's not good enough. Um, I don't have obviously the like advanced stats in front of me, but I I think anyone with a brain can see that he's just not as good as his second time pitching back to back. Whatever reason they keep keep running him out there, you know. I, I don't know. And the other thing is what he he doesn't throw he's you know, he has problems with throwing strikes, which if any you know, for the people that have listened to this podcast, one, thank you, and two, you know that I hate people that can't throw strikes. <laughs>
0: Nobody, nobody can.
2: I mean, well, uh, you know, uh, he he just whatever reason he's he's hot or cold, and I, I think there's clearly something with his workload, and he's not. You're right. I mean, the, the 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 change in his stuff on days where he's pitching back to back versus when he's he's had an off day, it's dramatic. Right. It really, I mean, it is. It's really and like the curveball, he has no feel for it, and I don't know what it is, but. He's just not the same caliber pitcher when he's pitched the day before.
0: Well, it's tough to put a curveball guy in that role, somebody who has to heavily rely on it, because if they're not commanding it, then, you know, it's just, it's not going to go well. And Brandon Workman, on paper, it looks like he's a stud reliever. He's got a 1.70 ERA, but his walk rate is high and that's what happens when he's not on you know they're basically the same pitcher really you know barnes has you know a little bit more velocity on his fastball actually but you know they're they're curveball guys and and i just rather those guys be more situational than anointed you know a permanent role you know and it's just it's frustrating
2: Liz, your zero.
1: Yeah, my my zero, um, it's going to be Mookie. He has just been not an MVP at all. Uh, I think he was three for 14 uh, in this series. And to think that he thinks he's going to deserve what Trout got in, out of a contract is just ridiculous. And, um, I mean, the team needs him to step up, and he, he's... He's not playing horribly. Like He's playing well. He's just not playing to the caliber that he could be. I I don't know why, but uh, he needs to step it up. He needs to talk to Devers about what he's doing. I don't know, but uh, Mookie needs to get back to uh, 2018 Mookie because he's dragging the team down. So Mookie bets.
2: His drop-off has been tremendous. I mean, he's on pace for 130 runs scored. He's got 82 hits, so he's on pace for 160. He's got 13 home runs. Um, He's only on pace for 74 RBIs. Uh, Stolen base numbers are down. He's only hitting 261. His on-base percentage is good. He's 379, and his OPS is 838, which is good, not great, not elite. I mean, he's not even... He's not even probably a top-20 MVP candidate, and he just won the award last year. He's underwhelming in a hugely important year for what he's trying to do, which is basically become the highest-paid pay- player in the history of the sport. I-, I think he's healthy. I honestly don't know what the fuck's going on with this guy, but he's not the same player for whatever reason. Um, but I want to introduce a question, because I knew you were going to pick Mookie. Christopher Smith, who's a friend of the program at Smitty on MLB, just tweeted this question. I want to ask you two what you would like to do. And then afterwards, I'll tell you what the the voting public has done after 500 votes. You're allowed to pick only one of these two players to stay with the Red Sox's entire career. Who do you choose, Raphael Devers or Mookie Betts?
1: Uh, Devers? (laughs) Why? Uh, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I mean just as things are now I mean uh, I mean you guys have known Mookie, Mookie's been with a team you know longer and you know more of his history but just looking at Devers and him being so just being young and improving the way that he has and just having a good attitude I I know that's not like a stat or anything and I know I probably rely more on that than than I should and that a lot of people uh, other people do but I just feel like he's He's more the type of player I want in my clubhouse long-term. You know, sure, maybe he's not ever going to be MVP, but that's not what I want from everybody, you know? I mean, everybody doesn't have to be MVP. I, I think he's going to mesh, mesh well with, with anybody where Mookie, I mean, maybe he peaked too early. Like, that's what I was just thinking. Like, like sometimes you'll see players in their contract year, which uh, he still has another year, doesn't he? How long does he have?
2: He, he does yeah, have He has more. one more arbitration has- year.
1: He has one more arbitration. Yeah. A lot of times, players, uh, you know, in in that year right before, like it makes me think of BJ Upton. BJ Upton had the best year of his life with the Rays the last year before free agency, and then he went to the Braves and completely sucked and basically like dropped off the face of the earth. Uh, you know, maybe that's not exactly going to happen to Mookie, but you know, maybe last year was just the best he could be, and he thought he could stroll into this year and just. Be him and do his thing and it's it's Just not working anymore for whatever reason But uh, I would pick Devers Hands down I
0: sure. would as well And I, even before the season Started I didn't think Devers was going to be Playing this way but I always felt like His ceiling was pretty decent And just purely you guys know how I am At the you know by now I'm, I'm big on you know the Economics of, of a long term Deal and You know, if the Red Sox are smart, you know, Devers could be here, you know, for a decade for not like mega money. It'll be big money, but not like, you know, 400 million. So that that's a lot of my thought process. I I actually voted in that poll. Um, So, I mean, I, I definitely go with Devers. And Liz, you make an interesting comment there. Like you don't you don't necessarily care if they ever win an MVP. Well, here's one for you. Manny Ramirez is considered by some to be one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time. And I've heard some say they think he is the greatest. You know, maybe, you know, people in the A-Rod camp might have something to say about that. Or, you know, if you want to go back to the, you know, golden years of the sport, you know, there was a lot of good hitters back then. But Manny Ramirez never won an MVP. So, you know, you don't have to be a a generational talent and, and necessarily win one of those.
1: Not, not that attitude means anything to MVP voting, but Manny Ramirez was a piece of shit. I hated him. So <laughs> yeah, he was, I really, hate when you, I really hate when you bring him up. I hate the years of the fucking race, Signed him and Johnny Damon. I was like, Oh my God. But at least Johnny Damon was a reasonable guy. Manny Ramirez was a piece of shit and a cancer in the clubhouse.
0: Yeah.
2: And he beat anyway, his wife. Sorry.
1: Oh, fucking I hate
2: him even more now. Well, I will say that Terry, I don't know if he did this on purpose or not, but he crafted his commentary about Manny very specific to his on-field performance. But I'll take the thing one step further on the MVP thing. MVPs get you out of town because you become more valuable than you're worth. It causes stupid teams to overpay. Okay. It just does. I've said that long ago. I mean, we came on this podcast the night after the baseball awards and Terry, I think it was just you and I that night. We said like same time, like he's gone. This is it. That solidifies it. And I was saying, I hope he didn't win it because I, I, I just think that the, the MVP acronym next to your name boosts your value artificially. Um, I mean, for example, Pedroya <laughs> you know, I mean, Trout is probably the exception to the rule because Trout. Unless you're Trout's, Mike
1: Trout, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, but but you win an MVP on a one-off, and I don't think Mookie's necessarily a one-off. He's also had a top-five finish two years ago, but it's it's it artificially inflates your value, and so I'm all set with people not winning the award in in the city. And again, Terry loves when I use cross sport examples but my example is the patriots they don't give a fuck about personal awards they just don't they de-emphasize them and when they win them it's swept under the rug and it's back to the team um i think mookie uh, i voted in the poll i voted for devers i think it's hands down devers um and and i'll just leave it as simple as this mookie has literally said he doesn't want to be here unless it's because the red sox have paid more than everybody else and if you if, if you have voted in that poll and you now have heard that statement, because it's a truthful statement, that's a fact, period. It's not in dispute. You should go revote. Because that's he doesn't wanna be here unless we the Red Sox pay him more than any other franchise is willing to. He's not gonna be here. And Devers seems to me to be a little bit different. I think he's happy to be here. I think he's a happy go lucky guy in general. We've talked a lot about him tonight. And uh, for that reason, I just think it's clearly going to be, it, it, I think, you know, and and maybe it might be, it may, it may be neither at the end of the day. But as we sit here today, I think Devers is the clear-cut choice. Anyways, I thought it was an interesting question. Terry, you zero?
0: And Mookie was winning in that, by the way, last I knew. It was 56 to 44%. And that just... Yeah.
1: Mookie's more the name, though. People know who Mookie is. Yeah. Where I really feel like Devers is at a disadvantage there, and I was going to say that earlier when we were talking to him. I feel like he's probably the best third baseman that people have no idea who he is. Like, I know when I first started watching the Red Sox last year, I was like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, I had no idea who most of the players were either. And then, of course, spring training rolled around, and I was like, oh, you know, I recognized them all, and I was like, god damn it. This sucks. <laughs> but but uh, but I mean I, I feel like that that puts him at that disadvantage. It's like why people don't want Pedroya. They know who Pedroya is. You know, they know his history. They know Mookie's history. And uh Devers, Devers doesn't have that history nor familiarity. So I mean it's it, that that works in his to his disadvantage in a in a poll like that. But thank God polls like that don't really matter. They're just fun.
0: And just in terms of whether Devers will stay or not, it's good to have Bogart's kind of set in an example, you know, play where you're happy and stuff, you know, as long as you're getting, you know, fair value. And the other dynamic that might help keep him here is he's Dominican. David Ortiz is Dominican. They have a close relationship and, Maybe Poppy's legacy means something to him, and maybe he wants to have a a similar legacy. So maybe those wheels could be spinning in his head, and and maybe not. Maybe I'm way off. I don't know. Maybe that's just the hope that, you know, we'll find a way to retain him. But just a couple of things in the back of my mind anyway.
2: Um, The other thing is I think there's an 80% chance he signs a long-term contract to eat up arbitration years.
0: And that I think he's a well. high.
2: I think he's a high candidate for the for that Bregman deal we talked about last podcast or two podcasts ago.
0: Yeah, and if the Red Sox can tack some option years onto that to lengthen it, that's been kind of a common trend. We saw it with Acuna and uh, Albies. so we'll see you know it could be uh an interesting off season you know when all that gets played out which is still uh, an eternity away at this point i think we either today or yesterday was the uh, halfway point in the season uh all right so uh i think i'm up next aren't i we we got the both of yours
2: yep terry let's hear your zero
0: all right uh and i'm slow on the stats here uh Uh, Mine is Chris Sale. It's time. I mean, we've seen a couple of, you know, shaky outings. The way he wrapped up, you know, the Baltimore game uh, three starts ago, you know, kind of made me nervous. And that was really the turning point. He was on an amazing run. Not quite as good as last year's where he was like, had like a 0.27 ERA over... Six or seven stars. He wasn't on that type of a run, but he was settled into a groove and right now just absolutely struggling. And today, you know, he kind of showed signs of coming out of it. You know, he gave up, what was it, three runs in the first and then two more in the third. And the innings in between... The even numbered innings, he mostly had one two, three innings, and I think he did have his slider going there, especially in the second inning. so maybe maybe he was starting to figure it out and he went six today and I think he's only gone six his last uh three starts, so he hasn't had a super deep game. you know, he had that complete game, which drives me nuts now against the Royals, which didn't even have to be a complete game. It was like eight to one or something like that. But you know, so he's got to kind of figure that out. And these are stressful starts and his fuse has been short. You know, he, I, I haven't harped on it so much lately, but I, I did earlier in the season, August and September. He's just, he just doesn't have the stamina and it's gotten shorter and shorter the last few years. So, Coming into this start, I'm like, I hope the slider's working. I just hope it's a smooth start. He cruises through it, and he didn't. And I'm just kind of it's – it's been in the back of my mind, and now it's getting to the forefront, you know, is when's the floor going to fall out? And, and you know, maybe, maybe he, you know, his shoulder gets sore or an injury crops up, and then we don't have him for four to eight weeks it's just and then that that's the end of the season if that happens so a lot to worry about i think with chris sale
1: jeremy
2: yeah i mean look he i mean look the the track records a problem and he he is underwhelming and i thought that him pitching well against his former team today was a virtual certainty so, um, I mean, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule and I'm saying I wouldn't mind if he didn't pitch again until after the All-Star break. I mean, I really I really think that, he, and I've said this, but this isn't the first time I've said this in, in the last month or two, but skip a start here, use the rest, use the All-Star break have him enter a light throwing program and then on the other side of the all-star break, have him come out and only throw 80 pitches for a couple starts and just save and preserve him. Um, and, and I know that's a problem because the counter to that as well, you're a game out of the wild card and now two, three teams are above you and you're, you're, you know, they're trending in the right direction and you're kind of, you know, now settling back towards the median here. Um, So I get that But I think if you are short-sighted now With this player based on his track record uh, We're not going to have him in September So uh, I mean it 100% when I say I would love to see him not pitch again Until after the All-Star break
0: I'm trying to pull the schedule up right here I know Toronto is next after the Yankees series Is there one more series after Toronto? I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah, I believe
2: there is. Okay, well,
0: that would kind of foil my. Yes, Detroit. Okay, so that wouldn't work. All right,
2: and Detroit sucks. By the way, they they are Baltimore Orioles bad. Yeah. So and that maybe you should be able to take. And by the way, I'm, I... I don't want to be overly negative about the series. If if you win two thirds, you know, if you win every series you play in, and you win at a, at a you know a point six 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 clip. you're know you winning 108 games, which is what they did last year as their best season ever. So, look, if they can win series, I'm happy. They don't need to sweep. Sweeping in Major League Baseball is a difficult thing to do. Uh, I do think they they should have and could have won this game tonight, and I would have liked them to sweep. But the Yankees are on a potential uh, historic run here, and sometimes no matter how good you are or how good you can become, there's a team out there that's better than you. I still think if we get into a series with the Yankees, we're built to be better in the playoffs. Their pitching is a significant problem. Their bullpen has not been as good as advertised. So, um, you know, but at, at some point, they, they've, you know, now there's other teams in the wild card and it, it's becoming a problem. And. As it relates to sale, um, frankly, I'm glad I'm not Cora and have to make that decision, which is rest versus the importance of winning every game you possibly can, given where you are in the standings.
0: I'm looking at the schedule right now, and we got two games against the Yankees and then three against Toronto. So that's five games. If you can kind of just push him back just slightly to game one of the Tiger series, that gives him a little rest. Toronto, you know, is kind of giving him fits uh, this year. And, you know, so move him to that July 5th start. And, you know, you got two more games after that to, you know, align the rotation or whatever. And then you got the all-star break. So he wouldn't pitch again until, uh, you know, maybe July 13th or 14th in the Dodgers series. So... You know, one start between now and July fourteenth—that's quite a bit of rest, and maybe that's what he needs. His velocity, though, today was decent. You know, he was ninety-four, and it was a smooth ninety-four. He just wasn't locating. So, um, you know, so I'm not—I'm not worried that he's injured right now. I'm just kind of worried that it could crop up, you know, eventually. But, uh, well,
1: and I think. Th- I think the disappointment with this loss, you know, it falls, you know, so hard on Sale because he has the potential for being so good and we know he can be so good. And the in the, the lineup was hitting, you know. When you score seven runs you expect to be able to be competitive against a team like the White Sox. You expect to win that game. When you hit seven runs, Chris Sale is your starter. Uh, the bullpen's a wild card you know usually in that scenario but it, but in this one it wasn't it was him you know he was the letdown and that's what sucks it doesn't it sucks to, to lose any game but if you you know if the starter does well and just nobody's hitting you know I, there's only so much you can do with that but when you when you score seven runs and then you still lose you know a Bray you got that uh, two run homer in the ninth I was just you know that was painful
2: right absolutely and by the way Br- uh, Brayu looks like he's cut some weight and got into and got himself into a, a little bit more of an athletic body um you know he's been a good player I, you know i wonder if that team continues to struggle on his contract and i'm not sure of his contract so i don't know if maybe i'm walking into a stupid comment here but uh, that's a guy that could be enticing for a middle of the lineup if you got a DH spot. I'm not. I'm not saying just about the Red Sox, but well, generally, it's interesting you I'm say that they
1: haven't traded him yet. Well, no, I, I'm really
0: surprised. Well, the Red Sox were kind of exploring that when uh, JD wa- hadn't quite signed yet because that was almost February by the time he signed, and so all these ideas were getting kicked around, and Chicago kept saying. You know we're not going to deal him we know we're not going to be competitive but we're not interested in dealing him and he's either a free agent after this season or next season so i don't know if if anything's changed there or what but
2: he's an unrestricted free agent after the season oh so it is this season yeah
0: so i don't know what the plans are you know if he just likes it there you know he's from cuba he was one of those what do they call it it was, it was the
1: first player acquisition directly from Cuba. Yeah. He didn't have to defect to Mexico first, which is usually what Cuban players do. Right. Or did do.
0: There's a signing process, though. I, I forget. We got Rusni Castillo He's also 33
2: way. next year. So he's – because he was a bit, you know, for lack of a better term, stuck in Cuba, um, he's, you know, he's not a young pup.
0: No, he's probably yeah.
2: got two – maybe three years of elite productivity left and then that's that it's going to be a short career which is too bad because that guy can absolutely mash
0: well he could be a
2: dh though i feel like you know but i mean who? and knows? i also i'm also not surprised that the change in his body is coming on the eve of being an unrestricted free agent at his age but he is he he looks like a football player
0: it's he, true he's
2: cuts his some significant weight and he's he, he looks good I, I was I'm impressed by the guy so and I've liked him I've liked him since day one not great at first uh, like you said probably a Dh on a good team but anyways just a side note there
0: yeah so uh, you kind of kind of hit a spot where I, I'd like to go and we'll uh the the series preview won't take much time because there's a TBA in there and it's only two games so we'll just we'll whip right through that when we get to it. Uh, But I'd like to make an observation here. We're going to talk about some trade deadline strategy. But let me just make this observation. And I tweeted it earlier, so you may kind of know where I'm going. In in years past, you know, the Red Sox, they haven't been a mediocre team. It's been the extreme ends of the spectrum. We're either going to be a bona fide contender for the division win and maybe a World Series, or we've been by far the le- the worst team in the division. So we're either first or we're last, and this year we're just mediocre. We're not great, but we're not terrible, and that makes the trade deadline approach really interesting because it, it could go it could go one of several ways, and you know, I'd love to. I'd love to offload Mookie Betts, you know, just to get him out of here and and I don't want to listen to it throughout the winter, you know, and and I'm not saying that it's likely that he'll get dealt, but but that's that's a move that I would love to see get made, you know, just to get it done with and you'd get a huge haul, but I so I guess what I'm getting at is we're 9 games back now. Could be potentially 11 games back after the London series. And I, we'll get to that series in a minute. But, I mean, the Yankees are just absolutely killing it right now. And and our pitching, you know, in, in the last three innings hasn't been great. So, at what point do we decide whether or not to be buyers or sellers?
2: When you're five games out of the wild card and there's more than two teams ahead of you. Um, you're just not going to give... So we're speaking as the as a Red Sox fan base, obviously. One, you can't sell to this fan base uh, quitting on this team this year. You just can't. Coming off what they were last year, minus Joe Kelly, minus Kimbrel, but substantially the exact same team. Yeah, minus Kinsler. Um, you you just if you're there at the wild card and all you got to do is win one game and you're, you're into the ALDS and you're better built for the playoffs than most teams. Not name the Astros. I just don't see it happening. I also am a huge trade bets guy, but I'm not a trade bets guy until the offseason. season. Um, I'm just not so, uh, bet should be here. I think they should go all in on trying to do what they can to repeat this year. And I'm still hopeful that they can, uh, find the magic. Um, now with that said, they're, they're going to get swept, uh, in London. I have zero doubt about it. Zero. Um, the, the Yankees just are obviously mentally tough. They've overcome a ton of different injuries. Uh, They haven't made any excuses. Um, and the Red Sox are just not that, so I, I think they're going to get swept. But uh, and to me, honestly, I think winning the AL East as the Yankees continually get healthy is a pipe dream. So my eyes are on the wild card. I know that's kind of sad and pathetic, but it is what it is. And, and unless there's they're five games back and there are more than two teams ahead of them, I just think they they stay. They're going to add if they can, which just might be impossible, but. They're not going to give up on at least trying to get back into the playoffs through a wild card on a, in a season where they just won 108 games and really didn't change the roster at all.
0: What is your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know their history as far as – I don't think they've ever been a team that's just, like, dumped players or anything. I'll, although, like I said, I don't really know their history. But um, – I don't think they're really going to make any significant changes either. I mean, they didn't they didn't do anything when they let people go, you know, that was that significant. So I don't see them doing it in the middle of the season. But I think if they if they did if they did get the right deal for Mookie, although I don't know what teams out there are looking for a center or excuse me a right fielder, you know, like him. But uh, you know, I think it'd be smart for them to go ahead and get rid of him when they have that much control. It just makes him more enticing, you know, to another team but um but yeah i don't really think it's going to be there's going to be any big change if they haven't done it done it yet i don't think they'll do it at the deadline
0: well 2014 it was the last year where they were sellers you know they lester was a pending free agent so he and johnny gomes both went to oakland and then lackey went to the Cardinals, and then we got Alan oh. Craig and Joe Kelly back in that deal, which looked like a steal at the time. No one really could have foreseen that Craig was just going to fall off that cliff and never never really make it back. And then Kelly, you know, had his moments, and then especially last October. So that's one example, but they were in a position to retool, and they, they kind of did a little bit. They got Hanley, they got Sandoval, and obviously that didn't work out well, but – You know, it was moves that they made that they thought would improve the team. They could have signed Max Scherzer that deal. Kind of painful that they didn't. But, you know, but that was the last time they were sellers. Now, here's what I'm getting stuck on. I get what Jeremy says. It's almost impossible to sell that to this fan base. And that's true. But, you know, it's still... Just because that's hard doesn't mean it it might not necessarily be smart to do it. Um, And here's the one thing I've been getting stuck on the last few days. In 2017, we won the division, okay? And that was the year the Astros won the World Series. They knocked us out in the ALDS. Now, we won the division, didn't have to sweat out the wild card game, just went straight in against the Astros. I knew we were going to lose that. I had absolutely no confidence whatsoever we were going to be able to beat the Astros and we very nearly coughed up the division anyway. There was a scenario within the last 3 or 4 games where we might have had to play a game 163 like the Cubs and the Brewers did this year, you know, and then, you know, the loser would go into a one-game wild card. We nearly coughed it up, but We had no momentum going into that. Sale was, you know, crapping the bed. Just didn't have anything left. Price was in the bullpen, but he still had that cloud over his shoulder anyway, over his head, you know, with his record anyway. So I just didn't have a ton of confidence there. And Mookie was similarly having an off year, much like this year. You know, it's an odd-numbered year for him. That's been his trend so far. And... Think about that, winning the division, knowing full well we weren't going to beat the Astros, and I'm kind of resigned to the fact that we are going to have to go for a wild card berth here, and we could very well win the one-game wild card to get into the postseason, but I feel so much similarly like, like I did in 2017 one way or the other. Even if we get into the ALDS, I just there's not much hope for May and I don't know that there's an impact move. I don't know that we have the trade capital to to make a big splash. So I mean, if we're double-digit games out of the division lead by, you know, July 25th, let's say, I'll be I, I'll be tweeting hard to blow blow this up. Not like big time, but you know, shop bets, uh, shop even J.D. Martinez. I'd rather not mess with the rotation very much outside of of uh, Porcello because he's, you know, this is a walk year for him anyway. And uh, you know, I'd love to get rid of Evaldi, but I, I just don't think that's realistic, you know, given his health and, you know, the pending 40-something million he's got left, 51 million actually. Um so that's kind of where I'm at here. I just I don't think this is our year, and I'd be willing to uh, make him make a move. Here's some free agents. Say you get rid of Betts or JD. Say you just get rid of one of the two. Nick Castellanos, very serviceable outfielder, probably won't cost a ton. You could get him. Uh, Starling Marte, another highly serviceable player you you know he could be a potential target Alex Gordon on a one or two year deal had some injury issues but if it's short years you know I might take a chance there and then there's some other guys I mean Elvis Andrews Scooter Jeanette Justin Smoke all free agents maybe maybe you get them to play the infield but then Chavis goes uh, out to one of the corners Uh, so there's there's some some serviceable guys that could be picked up in the uh you know in the off season that could kind of fill that role and won't cost nearly mookie's going to cost at least 20 to 30 million in this final year of arbitration so a lot of those guys come in way under and and yes i get that it's impossible to sell that to this fan base but you know sometimes you just got to trust the process
1: Agreed. I mean, not, my whole not, my whole baseball fan life is trusting the process.
2: Oh, Liz, thanks for reminding me how wonderful it is to be a Red Sox fan. Um, <laughs> but you also know that at the same time. So, um, <laughs> I, Terry, I look. I think fundamentally we agree. I, we may just disagree on when is the appropriate time to have that happen. Um, so you know. He's not going to be here, guys. He's not going to be here after 2020. And the Red Sox have a choice. They can watch what happened to the Nationals, or they can be proactive and say, "Our, you know, we trust our decisions. And even if the the fan base is not happy initially, they will be when they realize that we can turn this thing around much quicker by using an asset that's going to walk away to get other assets. So...
0: Let me ask you know. this one question: You know, wh- who are your untouchables at this point?
2: Xander. Uh, <laughs> what?
1: Well, I don't. I don't know. You know, Zan- and all that. Xander.
2: Xander Devers. Benintendi. Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: Vasquez. Although I mean Vasquez is assuming that he doesn't have a ton of value in, in a trade, but like if it, you you know if, you, if someone came to me with an elite center fielder, I'd trade Vasquez tomorrow. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think at his contract, at his value, Vasquez is going to be here, um, and he is wildly important to this team's success, in my opinion. Uh, so Vasquez, um, I think Price just because the contract's untradeable, uh, probably the same thing with Sale. And I would say that that would be it.
0: What, what about Chavis? He's on my no trade list.
2: He, I thought of him while I was going through that list.
0: He's just if so. He could potentially. He's so inexpensive. That's the reason why. I mean, you could potentially get close to JD Martinez type production. From him you know at, Whoa.
2: A, at a fraction
0: of the cost
2: I'm <laughs> not willing to go there Just yet and the other issue with him is What position is he going to play every day as a, as a big leaguer that's a question that Just no one can answer yet And it may be it may be first It could be left it could be DH All viable options because I think He's going to be a plus offensive player But if someone came to me and said Look we'll give you an everyday center fielder That can hit 280 uh, and play plus defense and give you a bullpen arm, I'd trade, I'd drive Jamison. Whoa,
0: I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just can't. It's just the value alone. And
2: maybe Jamie. I, mean, I get it. I get it. I'm not, I'm, I, and I'm not disagreeing with you. He's someone I strongly considered. But here's the other thing at some point, the do not touch list has to end, and there has to be an asset you'd be willing to move to better multiple positions and to me chavis is on just on the other side of that line but if you told me that the red sox you know or, or your opinion is that he's untouchable and the red sox come out and say that i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised i mean you know and you, that's you, fine i mean look you have you can't keep trading young players you just can't i mean where, where are we going to be in three years if we just keep trading every freaking prospect and and he's not a prospect i mean he's He's a major league baseball player, so
0: in your opinion, could change a month from now if he just destroys it. You know, I mean, I, I think narratives can change quickly with with young players, I, and it certainly happened with Devers. You know, albeit over three months, but um.
2: well, I'll take it one step further. If if JD re- reworks his deal or opts in, I think Chavis becomes a little bit more flexible. But if JD leaves. Or there's that possibility. Chavis has the ability to slug at that level. Now, whether he become, you know, whether he becomes anything near JD, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. But I mean, he has the ability to be that, and so I think if JD's not going to be here, Chavis has to be because who are you going to put in the middle of the lineup that can hit 30 home runs?
0: I'm starting I mean, you to,
2: know. you know, I mean, I was
0: all for Martinez you know, being here fairly long term and by that I mean, you know, the next four to five years. Um and I'm just starting to really have some health concerns with him, you know, long term. And so I I just I'm I'm less frightful that he might opt out now than I, I was a few months ago. But while I'm on that real quick, um just some perspective here on the payroll the the luxury tax the first luxury tax threshold is 206 million we're at 226 so we're currently exceeding that by 20 million now after this season uh, Pablo Sandoval is finally and mercifully off the book so there's your 20 million that gets you back down level with that if you trade mookie between now and the off season that's at least 20 more million coming off so that brings you down to 186 if martinez gets either traded or opts out now you're you're comfortably under it and and you'll you'll have some breathing room now you're going to have to replace them to some degree and it's impossible to replace mookie, you know for everything that he, he gives us on an MVP type year but um, but still a lot of flexibility there. And here's JD's contract real quick. Um, he can, he can opt out after this year and can uh, let's see he can basically opt out uh, for the next two years but he's owed 23 million next year. And then uh, 19.3 million in each of the two years following that. So strategically, he could wait another year before he opts out, you know so pocket the next 23. that brings him he will have made uh, just about 70 million uh, overall in, in the first three years of that deal. but the risk he would run by not opting out, Um, is, you know, if he does opt out after this year, he's going to be, uh, 32 and then 33 the year after that. And we haven't seen players, you know, that age really landing huge contracts at this point. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he plays it. If he's hurt, you know, maybe, maybe opting out is too risky. Maybe he shoots himself in the foot. Because maybe he's a ten to twelve million dollar a year guy, if he can't stay healthy, and and he would, he would lose a lot of money, you know. So I don't know, but the I I am a little bit teased by the fact that potentially sixty to seventy million could come off the books, um, between now and you know the end of the calendar year you know, after the winter meetings.
2: I mean, look, we'll yep. see. I mean, that we're we're, we're going to have some of those topics come up in the next 10 days while we have some off days and stuff. But um, I really do think they're going to find something that works for both JD and the team, whether they bump them to 25 to buy out the option. And, and convert the last three years in of the deal to to 25 per so three years 75 million and buy them out or whatever it may be three you know three years nine 90 million you know and turn them into 30 million a year I don't know what I don't think it should take that much but I, I just think they're gonna make it work I think the player wants to be here I think the team wants them to be here the fan base obviously wants them to be here so that'll motivate the team a little bit uh you know and then, you know, with Mookie, he's gone.
0: I think they, with JD, they'd have to add a year, kind of like how they did with uh, Kershaw this year.
2: Yeah, and that's fine, too. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. And the other thing is, they don't have to address all, every opt out right now. You know, yeah. if he's set to make 23 and change, bump him up to 27.5 and just buy him out of that opt out for next year, and then we'll just deal with it again next year. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, you know, yeah, it could and not happen. that it's ideal to stick your finger in the dam. But, you know, if if sticking your finger in the dam, you know, solves the problem for a year, then then go ahead and do it. Um, you know, and, and obviously, I think that's look, I, they still think that there's a chance to sign Mookie, I think. Oh, I don't. And I, no, well, I agree. I'm saying but I think management's holding out that he's going to like, you know, have, you know want to be here and take less or whatever is their thought process. Uh, or maybe they don't. And that's a possibility. Maybe they're, maybe they have already resided the fact that they're going to trade them, whether it's in a month in, a, in the off season or a year from now, right before 2020s trade deadline. But um, you know, I, I think we're going to find out a lot about how they view their options with Mookie based on what they do with JD. Cause it's going to take money. It's going to take dollar bills, real, real dollar bills, dollar bills against the cap. And we all know they want to sign guys like Ben and Devers endeavors and stuff. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I, um, I'd yeah. rather go so.
0: that route um, with you make an interesting point. You know what happens with JD could tell us a lot. And I think, after the season ends, he has like 10 or 12 days, something like that, to decide whether or not he's going to opt in or opt out. So, you know, so that's the window you're going to be looking at. I certainly don't think that they're going to make a deal uh, in season at this point. Um, You know, it could happen. I mean, never say never, but I I think that's a, a pretty long shot, so... I think it would be, uh, you know, in the November-December time frame. But, like I said, you know, so many dominoes have to fall between now and then. So, why don't we uh, just get into the uh, Yankees series here. Uh, The one matchup we know for sure on uh, Saturday, the first of the two games, is Masahiro Tanaka versus uh, Rick Porcello. Um, Tanaka has definitely had our number in the past, though not so much in the past year. Um, you know, one of their more consistent guys, especially in the postseason. Um, so, any any thoughts on Tanaka versus Porcello?
2: Yankees seven to two. <laughs> and honestly, I mean,
1: sorry, Liz, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't really gonna say much. No, I, I think he's the Yankees are gonna win that game too. Uh, Tanaka to me, like has always been more. Maybe his ERA hasn't been consistent. They just weren't winning games for him. But uh, I mean, this year he's been he's been really strong. Couple that with the way they're hitting, and uh, that's not good. So, and Porcello has been. Slightly inconsistent, I guess, but
0: we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Porcello wasn't particularly sharp in his May start, uh, four and two-thirds, nine hits, five earned runs, walked one, struck out five. So, I mean, if we're going to have a prayer, especially in a ballpark that's just tailor-made for home runs to fly out of, you know, very short uh, dimensions, he's going to have to be really sharp. You know, kind of similar to how he was with the uh, Minnesota start. So, hopefully, um, you know, or at least somewhere in the middle. He, he can't be as bad as he was in his May start.
2: Well, I will say that if, if Leone doesn't start behind the plate, they have no chance. <laughs> um, but that was sarcastic. But, <laughs> um, look, the, the, here, here's, here's a lot. Here's how I break this series down. There's going to be bitching about this. Cora's already, uh, I just saw a tweet where Cora talked about, you know, the disadvantage to the Red Sox having to deal with this this series. There's going to be players bitching about it. The long flight, change in time zone, multiple days off, the change in schedule, going to a new city, going to a new stadium. Baseball players are creatures of habit. No one's debating that. One team in this series has overcome a tremendous amount of uh, adversity with injuries, you know, whatever may be the case. Another team has done the exact opposite. They've had almost no controversies. They've had no adversities. And they've just underwhelmed tremendously. This sets up for a sweep. And I don't care who's pitching on Sunday. I know it's Eduardo Redver, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez versus a TBD. Seven to two, seven to two. Uh, just looking forward to getting back stateside and playing Toronto on Tuesday.
0: Uh, just to go over Tanaka real quick, you know, just as a matter of due diligence, he did. He was solid last year as a whole. You know, on the year he was uh, three seventy five, so pretty good especially for a Japanese guy who probably has a ton of mileage on his arm. But the Red Sox did shellac him pretty good. There was a start late in the season. He only made it four innings, uh, five earned runs. Uh, Earlier that summer, uh, he did have one solid start. He went uh, almost five full, only gave up one. But as I go down here, I know there was at least one more bad one. In May of last year, yeah, he went five and one-third. Gave up four runs, so I don't know if that's going to translate to anything this weekend. You know, Jeremy, you certainly don't think so, and things don't seem to be trending that way, but, but you know, good good recent uh, numbers against him. Uh, Rodriguez also has very good numbers against New York. It's actually one of his better teams uh, he has not faced them this year yet, so um, I just uh, n- don't really know what to expect there um, And I someone I can't remember if I saw it in a tweet or someone I think somebody DM me that the Yankees are 7 and 0 this year when using an opener Not lost yet, so um, That's disturbing but um, yeah, so who knows? It, that game could be Hap as well. Jay Hap could be the potential starter, and he is not pitching well as of late. And uh, but he did pitch well against us earlier in the year. So so those are uh, those are the way the the matchups are trending. Uh, let me say this though: Giancarlo Stanton back on the DL already after. Doing something to his knee uh, Sliding into a base Or something
2: Hate to see it (laughs) Absolutely hate to see it
0: He's going to be More painful than Ellsbury He's a big guy And sometimes those guys They just They're not quite as durable you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Type thing, and and he's still in his twenties, and I just I think that's going to be an extremely regrettable contract.
2: I Don't disagree with that. Um, look, if they can find a way to to win one of these games, they'd just be ecstatic. And I, you know, I mean, that's just that's where I'm at with this series. I mean, just survive it. If you can win one, great. Um, but at the end of the day what we're eight games back of the A at least they're gonna continue to get healthier um, they have the assets to improve at the trade deadline we don't uh, you know I don't know I, honestly this is you know it's an indictment on the team but I mean you know, look i my I, I checked the wild card standings first in the morning. Not the AL least. <laughs> I I looked at and I'm them. Not, it's been that way for two weeks. I mean, I'm just – I'm not – and that's not something that I'm just saying. That That's what I – that's how I'm handling it.
0: Yeah. I, I looked at them a minute ago, and you gave your example. And if the playoffs started tomorrow, we're not in. And No, so... Cleveland
2: jumped us. Uh, Texas is, is better than us. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, the double raise, so – I mean, it it, it just...
1: Probably not for long. Yeah.
2: I'm okay with that. Tampa's
0: trending the wrong way. Blake Snell just can't get out of his own way ever since he stubbed his toe, but we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, you know, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get the sweep, you know, because we were only, what, a half an inning away from doing that, and we're not playing bad, you know, where, you know, we lost the Toronto series, but I don't think we've lost a series in a while. And we've, we've swept a few, but New York just won't lose. And we're we just can't keep pace with them. And the, the deficit was too big, you know, what, by the time we did finally get rolling. So it's just, it's frustrating. And
2: well, look, here, here's the other problem. Cleveland, who was lying dormant like we were for a long period of time is getting their shit together.
0: Yeah.
2: And the Rangers are not going away. (laughs) I mean, they're not going away. So, you know, I mean, maybe the double race will, but this isn't going to be easy. They got to start winning games. They got to start closing games. Uh, they, you know, and I know this is so simple. It's, it, it sounds stupid, but they really have to win the games they're supposed to win. And I'm not talking about on paper walking into the game. I mean, if you're up in the ninth, you got to win the fucking game. Right. So, you know, I mean, I just, this, this series is, this series is scary.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I, didn't, I can't remember if I talked about it um, on the podcast last time or if we talked privately, but starting like July 22nd, we... We go for the, for the next two weeks or so. We go something like Tampa, New York, Tampa, New York, Tampa, New York. For a couple weeks stretch, we we just rotate between those two teams. I've never seen anything like that. And half of it, half of that stretch, happens to be right leading into the trade deadline. So it's gonna. It's gonna have a lot to say about how the the last couple months of the year play out, you know, so I I I don't know what else to say, you know. Any uh, final
2: thoughts? No, I got no Yeah, no final thoughts here. You know, survive in advance by winning one game here. And then get back in and beat the shit out of the Blue Jays and the Tigers, and then go get some rest.
0: That sounds good to me. You know, split. We got two easy teams after that, and call it good, and see where we stand.
1: Yeah. Hope hope that 100%. the Rays can take can take two out of three from the Rangers, but that's not looking very probable.
2: That's intense. literally literally no one cares. <laughs> well, well it, would it would help
1: you guys, particularly if you won one, would it not?
2: I mean, oh, yeah. there are two teams ahead of us that are playing each other. I mean, we
0: need I guess the best
2: case scenario would be a four-game set, and they split. But I mean, you know, yeah. But we're we're game
0: by game. Anyway, I mean sp- we got to just worry about ourselves for now. Regardless. Oh no! No
2: question. No question. Yeah. All right, signing off, uh, everyone, enjoy. Uh, hopefully these games, if, if even if they are losses, are entertaining. Uh, so, go sucks.
0: Yep, go Sox. Have a good night, guys. Good night. Episode
1: 146.
0: One forty six is in the books. One, two out of three against the White Sox. Like I said, I shouldn't be complaining about that. But that damn deficit, you know, as far as the division goes, is just pretty ominous right now, as we were just alluding to. So got an interesting series first ever in Europe. We're a part of it. They're showcasing the biggest rivalry in all baseball. So. Hopefully the Red Sox can uh, leave their mark on Europe and come home and just kind of take care of business. Maybe that will be the turning point. Who knows? But everyone have a great, uh, you know, finish to your week. Tomorrow's Thursday. So a couple more days till the weekend. Weather's getting hot. Got a holiday coming up. So everyone be safe. Wear your seatbelts. Don't get wasted and drive you know, like like you see, you know, throughout the holidays. And uh, we'll be back with you on Sunday night to recap the series. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
2: Playing it, a line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did it. He got it! There we go, time to party. Right here, 3-2. Hi! They crushed it! It's a grand slam!
0: Twee innings, it three-three, it's over!
1: The Red Sox have won the world championship!
2: Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast.
1: Can you believe it?
2: Here